Hello and welcome to another edition of the Dan Assor podcast. Uh, just a reminder that all of my podcasts are also available in a video format. Head to YouTube and search Dan Assor. Just like to thank my community patrons, Hive Group PLC, Tarsus Group, 19 Group, Rarisney Insurance, Smart Digital, Easy Fares and SISO. Um, you can always support this podcast by looking at the notes below and going to buymeacoffee.com, search Dan Assor. Um, all contributions gratefully received. Enjoy today's show. So today I'm delighted to welcome Nick Ferrari. Uh, Nick's a British radio host, a television presenter, broadcast journalist, best known as the host of the weekday breakfast show on the London-based radio station LBC, with, I believe, Nick, a million and a half listeners, um, which is currently the most listened to host, I think, on LBC. But you'll correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right so far. <laughs> okay. I'm sure that listenership has gone through the roof over the last year because... Well, we don't know. There's no way of telling because there's no monitoring until we get back to some normality. But certainly digital hits are very strong, so we must yeah, hope so. Absolutely. And I also understand, and this is from Wikipedia, that originally your name was Nicolo because you, you've got Italian heritage. Is that right? Uh, Swiss. Yeah, Italian part of Switzerland. Absolutely right. Uh, that's maybe a fact that I'll, I'll, my viewers didn't know. So, Nick, straight into it. Um, yeah. You've had... I'm going to use the word privilege, but you might not think it a privilege, over the last 12, six to 12 months, access and holding the government, um, cabinet ministers and, and yeah. others to account. What sort of experience has this been for you personally first? Um, it has been uh, mixed, in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, some are more candid than the others. You have to realise that you're not there for yourself. You're there to represent the interests of your uh, listeners. So today is a very good example. Um, we had the pensions, uh, the vaccinations, I'm sorry, vaccines minister on, yeah. Nadim Zahawi, and I am not yet in a cohort that uh, has been, sure. we've got the vaccination to. Sadly, my parents are no longer with us. So the way that I'm informed by that is to ask my listeners, how are you getting on? If you're in that age group, how are you getting on with your grandma? How are you getting on with your granddad? How are you getting on if you're vulnerable? Fortunately, I have you know, not bad health. I don't have diabetes. So you know, sure. I'm just going to have to wait my turns. The reason I give you that long story is that that is what we have to do. We have to represent what our listeners are about. Yeah. And one of the stories, which is quite incredible, which he, I credit to him, he's now acted on, and I know because I've had a phone call, is that uh, one woman is living with her, who's in her 80s, is living with her daughter in Suffolk, and yeah. her jab is in Scotland, 600 miles, a 1,200-mile round trip for her to get her jab. The daughter's obviously desperate. Yeah. to get a mother done, but they can only do it in Scotland. So it's when you have those stories that you suddenly, the issues of vaccinations, and it is going well, and that's yeah. just something to celebrate, but the bumps in the road or the lumpy deliveries, the government call it, that's when you get to the reality. So to answer your question, someone like Nadim Zahawi is tremendous and gets straight over. Some of them are others. I mean, Alok Sharma, very talented guy, yeah. no question, but you felt he was always on script, would never come off, off script. Michael Go, tremendous, I always enjoy. He was the one, of course... I managed to get the Scotch eggs from just before Christmas. So he probably, I mean, he, he sort of smiles and waves at me when we come on the, yeah. on yeah. the links. Uh, so it's a mixed bag, yeah. but the key is to be there for your listener. Sure. I guess it's also hard sometimes to, to not bring your own person, you know, your own view into it, right? You don't want to get too wrapped up in the emotion. But Yes, I think, yeah. I mean, for instance, I think one that we had a very, very, I mean, it, was a, it wasn't an all-out row, but it was, a, I think they call it a frank and candid exchange, Dan, was Robert Jenrick, the um, housing secretary. And I don't think uh, he's done, they've done enough for people caught up in this cladding scandal, just to remind everybody, there's about three and a half million homes, sure. uh, three and a half million people uh, stuck in homes with this, the, the kind of cladding that was at, at Grenfell. Sure. 
And that is all these years ago, and they've still not moved on. So, again, you represent that. And, yeah, you do get a little bit of heat into that. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say now that, in fact, there was a debate this week in the House of Commons, and let's hope there's some kind of remedy. Not solely down to me, I hasten to add. Sure. Many other MPs took up the cause. I'm just a, you know, I just sort of briefly turn the spotlight on it, and then others get the work done. Sure. And this is a, this is a broad question. And I'm going to come on to events because my community that I represent yes. is events and exhibitions. But generally, before I get onto that, yeah, how do you think the government's handled the pandemic? And I know it's a broad <laughs> question, but if you were to give a score out of 10, <laughs> what would you give it? OK, uh, I'm going to be a political answer. I'm going to give you two scores. <laughs> yeah. One prior to the vaccination, yeah. where I think you would be... It would be charitable to give them a five. You'd probably be looking at a four. <laughs> Since the vaccination came in, yeah. I think you could probably look at an eight and a half. So overall, okay. 12 and a half. So probably about six point something overall. I think, <laughs> um, they were, and there will be many reviews, and I've said this on air, so anybody who's heard this before, I'll keep it very brief. There's no doubt about it. The government were seven to ten days late in moving back on March 23rd of last year. That being said, the pace at which they've moved vaccinations, I think... Third only to Israel, which is absolutely standout, fantastic job. Uh, and I think it's the Seychelles, which has an incredibly small population, let's be honest with it. We are moving, United Kingdom is moving at an incredible rate, but it needed to. It needed a game changer. And I hope for the health of everybody who's watching this and their relatives and everyone else, let's hope this is the game changer. Absolutely, here, here to that. In terms of um, communication of directives, tiers, all sorts of different stuff, um, um, what's your view on how they have done that? Because lots of people tell me, and I can think from an outside in, that, that they're creating confusion intentionally, definitely sort of over the summer and up to Christmas, what you can do, what you can't do, leaving it open to interpretation. Do you think that's intentional? Do you think it's cock up? Well, what's, what's, your, what's your view? No, I challenge you over that, Dan. Yep. I, I, don't, I, I think it has been confusion. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't see why it would be intentional because I can't see in whose interests... It would be if, if, look, if you allowed their first mission was to save the NHS. Uh, and if you go back to the summer of last year into the autumn, or certainly the summer, the equivalent of the Italian NHS in parts of Italy collapsed and people were being treated and dying in hospital corridors and ambulances. So their first goal was, remember, save, stay home, save the NHS. It did that. You're absolutely right. After that, yeah. And they were snappy. Uh, I think it was three two-word slogans, wasn't it? It was all, yeah. all three three-word slogans. Stay at home, save the NHS. Yeah, save lives. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Then it did start to get a bit muddled. But I suppose in, as you move out of a pandemic and you try and switch on which parts of activity you can, it's going to get muddled. I, I fear that the eat out to help out will probably be seen now as a disaster. It's interesting. You never hear this being lauded. When I used to have Rishi Sunak, and I doubt that I'll... The Chancellor, just to remind everybody, yeah. I doubt I'll have in this side of the budget. He, all he ever talked about was eat out to help out. Now he's wandering around giving people pizzas and burger and chips and God knows what else. Or whatever I else. took advantage of it, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, that's just, it, it, yeah. it's almost Badly. forgotten. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. We, we did an interesting piece last week. And it, it, again, this plays very much to you and your industry, yeah. which is all about messaging, messaging, messaging. Sure. And we actually had a look at how the message has been delivered in the U.S., in Australia, in different parts of uh, in different parts of Europe as well, and we had an advertising and branding expert. I have to say, Dan, as regards those other countries, we were as good as anybody else in our messaging in the early days. But then, has it lost its way? Yes, but then I think probably globally, many countries have lost their way too. Sure, it's just it's all about trust and what we can believe. And now yeah. Boris is saying, you know, we'll be back out of it by summer, and obviously said it by Christmas. Obviously, he doesn't know, right? And I guess as a leader, you have to put positive images out there because people want to believe you. 
even if deep down maybe they don't. So I think that's the same for business and everything else. Well, I think we again, this is your industry, it's not mine, but yeah, if you're taking people on a path, yeah. I think you have to be candid with them. I think Boris Johnson, who, as I think you know, I have known for years. He used to do a yeah. phone in with me when he was mayor of London. I've um, you know, I've, I've dined with him. We've we went to New York together on a business trip. I listened to it. So I know and we did a, he did a phone in at four in the morning, local time or three yeah. in the morning. I can't remember what it was. And we both had a glass of too many red wine the night before. So he's, he's, this was when he was mayor. I hate to do it. That's a whole but different program. He is one of the life's optimists. Okay. okay? He, 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 he's, the glass is never half empty for the prime minister. I think the tandem operation between him and Professor Chris Whitty, who's the rather tall uh, and balding guy, who's actually, they are a great act because one's optimism is very much counterbalanced by Whitty's just utter diligence on facts. And you can imagine that when he goes out in the morning, you know, he triple checks that his shoelaces are done up correctly. And when he gets in the car, he probably checks the oil and the tyre pressures before he... And I don't mean that nastily. Oh, you know, sure. Yeah. People like this. I, honestly, I say this in, in huge praise. But you can imagine, he, he does those oil checks and everything else that we're all meant to do, and, and credit to the bloke. But I think at times you can say that perhaps the Prime Minister, understandably, because of, he is a small L liberal conservative, sure. was guilty of perhaps over-promising and under-delivering. Yeah, I think I think we can agree to that. You, talk, you spoke about Chris Whitty. Public response to the pandemic. Obviously, there was that idiot yesterday that gave him a bit of uh, jip, shall we say. And I know you spoke about that in your programme, I think, yesterday. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that's sort of um, paralleled with Sir Captain Tom Moore, who obviously unfortunately passed mm-hmm. away this week. How do you feel um, about how the public has responded in general? Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think it's been absolutely incredible. And it's interesting you um, draw that parallel because as well as doing LBC, which I love, I also appeared quite regularly on this morning with um, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. And and that was the point I was making on yesterday's ITV show, that you saw the best and worst of Britain within the space of a few hours yesterday, or at least the coverage of, in that we lost... Uh, one of a generation who are irreplaceable. We will never see their like again in uh, Captain Sir Tom Moore. Duty, utter humility, no absolute selflessness, doing it for everyone else. That was that generation. And then you saw, I believe this man is in his, young man is, is below, I think he's 15, isn't he? Behaving in the most unconscionable fashion towards someone who's only doing his best to try and keep us all alive. So we saw the, the best and worst, if you will, of Britain there. Um, when it comes to exactly why that is or getting the message across I I think look when when you consider and it it sounds a lot I know but when you consider that somewhere like the Met has issued I think it's about 3,800 tickets for non-enforcement the population that the Met covers the population of London is somewhere between 8.5 and 9 million people I can't even work out the percentage so of course 3,800 is 3,800 too many? But taking everything, I do think you have to contextualise. Sure. And then, you know, if, if you if you had a if you took a rugby team on tour and you took thirty lads, and I do say lads, and one of them was a bit of misbehaved, that's a pretty good average. That's even less than that. So let's be yeah. candid about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on to the event industry and exhibitions. Yes. Um, so I've run trade shows, consumer shows. You've hosted. Well, we've worked together, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that industry has been decimated. Uh, that's the only reason I'm doing it. Do I get the negatives back after this? <laughs> um, well, yeah, hopefully we'll get you on to host some shows. Um, so, and, okay, we understand shows can't happen, yep. and it's been great that furloughs happen and all that, but there's been a raft, probably two to three million people, 
who yes. and a lot from the events and exhibition space. So I'm not talking yes. hospitality for a minute. Um, that have not benefited at all, benefited at all because they're freelancers, sole traders, the riggers, the audiovisual people, the people that put stage stages, all that sort of stuff. They've really struggled and they've been left behind. Um, you've probably, you might have read there's been an organisation called Exploring the UK and there's all sorts. Why do you think that is? Because Rishi Sunak's not, he's not stupid and he's done some great stuff. But there's been this portion of the country that's just, and the workforce that just been, have received nothing. Well, look, I, when you think it was initially brought in in March, and, and I've done a lot on this, and in fact, um, if you look back, Sir Keir Starmer asked a question of Boris Johnson at Prime Minister's Questions, where he referenced a caller he'd taken on LBC. And he actually said, I did the Nick Ferrari show on LBC, and I was uh, contacted by a photographer in Dundee called Chris, who told me this. So I've done a lot on these people. My heart goes out to them. Yeah. I have to tell you, one of my sons finds himself partially in this situation as well. Yeah. Uh, my other lad, a bit more fortunate. Why has it happened, Dan? It was permissible in March because it was rushed in at a million miles an hour and two or three weeks in to achieve what they did, fantastic. Yeah. Since then, and I haven't got the figures to hand, sure. but he certainly had three, four, maybe five reviews yeah. and most of those people are still excluded. Yeah. Now, they have done nothing wrong. Right. They've explored a perfectly legitimate tax efficiency, uh, which is that you pay yourself through a dividend. There's nothing illegal. Yeah. I, mean, I doubt many of the people watching this pay more tax than they have to. I'm going to tell you, I make sure that my accountants, I pay my tax, but I don't overpay. I pay as yeah. much as I have to, and that's, it. and that's what these men and women do. And I think your interest, and I really feel we are, what, what have we got? We've got about a month, just over a month to go to yeah. the budget, okay? He has to address this. To your people watching now, take heart. Labour are holding him to account for that. That helps. What's better is, and I hear this from MPs I speak to, some of whom on the radio, some of whom, uh, you know, I have text traffic with us. You know, I've been around forever, so it's hardly surprising <laughs> that a couple of the blokes or women sort of talk privately. Sure. Uh, sometimes I can say a senior MP has told yeah. me this. I'm telling you now, they're, and particularly Conservatives, I have a lot of people who vote for them, uh, businessmen and businesswomen with their own businesses, and they've had enough. They kind of got it in March. They kind of understood it in the summer. Mm. Let's face it, before we know it, this will now be 12 months where in your industry, absolutely terrible, pub industry, in a way, even worse, because they switched it on. So these guys went and got all their stocks on and all their beer. Yeah. And it all worked. Well, at least they opened, at least. I mean, and they had the... They opened briefly, but then they bought in stocks and were told there's no Christmas. Sure. So that, sure. But look, look, this is not a race to the bottom. No, no. You know, um, uh, uh, gym owner, gym and studio owners, yeah. uh, 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 publicans, as you say, events, photographers. It, it is terrible. Uh, you know, there's somebody I regularly take calls from in the wedding industry. Well, yeah. I would imagine he's probably clamming, trying to hold on to his house now. So this is it. I, there's, there was an excuse initially. Come this budget, I don't know that there can be many more excuses. Okay, thank you for that. Um, and just just generally, how can, you know, we, we've got the Association of Event Organisers um, mm. and other lobbying groups, but they weren't set up to lobby government. And so, you know, when this hit, they were definitely behind. We didn't have a seat at the table. The hospitality industry, I think it's got seven or eight full-time lobbyists. And so we were lumped in under events and hospitality. But trade and consumer so is very different. In your opinion, um, how best, and obviously we've done a lot, but what, what's the best way to lobby government to talk about a specific part of a specific industry? And I know some MPs have had questions asked in Parliament, but any tips and advice that what we can do? Not more um, it's not an. I know a bit of it, and I've obviously yeah. attended some uh, yeah. conferences and things. The, I mean, I think you made a very interesting point. You probably did it deliberately. 
you are absolutely right. The, the pub and hospitality business yes. has, has a number of, and I, I understand some very well-paid and very smart lobbyists. Yes. And I would point to the fact, look where their industry is. Yes. It's very difficult. But I'm not dodging your question. No, no. Um, you will get nowhere unless you get a powerful MP. It's like a couple of times on the show, we've been able to actually sort of influence legislation, one about uh, key wor- um, uh, uh, ambulance workers being given better protection, whatever. You get nowhere unless you have an MP who's really invested in it. Now, rightly or wrong, you can have all the trade organisation you can have, and I urge your trade organisation to go, but you almost need to find someone, and, and experience shows that if he or she has had an, uh, some kind of experience of your industry, yeah. or their mum and dad was in the industry, or their husband and wife or partners in the industry, they speak from a position of knowledge and they're likely. Now, I don't know whether any of the men and women who've worked in your trade have ever gone on and gone into politics, whether they've ever done it, but I would urge you to start looking at that and that's what you need. Or, again, the other way, and I sense this isn't going to work, but if you you were making steel, you'd need the MP for Portalbert. Okay, because that's if Port Talbot closes, the downtown is dead. I would imagine by the dint of your, you are spread everywhere. There's no heart. Yeah, so we've got Excel, for example, in London. So they would have been lobbying the mayor, but obviously the mayor can only do so much. And NEC in Birmingham and so on and so forth. And coming back to your point, loads of MP, even Boris Johnson himself has opened trade shows, exhibitions. So it's not that they don't know this. No, of course. And uh, sorry, this is just my frustration coming. In. It's not you. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm attacking you, but I'm not. No, no, it's no. Just, it's it's just been incredibly infuriating. All of the well, MPs. Presumably, won't... you know, you know who you yes. could. I mean, so, uh, do you know Andy Street, who's the mayor of Birmingham? I personally don't, but I'm sure. Sorry, no, you know of him. Yeah. I mean, I'm just yeah. thinking now. He he's very close to government. Sure. Um, he's he was Boris Johnson rightly hailed him as a tremendous conservative flag waver when he won Birmingham because it had been yeah. Labour mayoralty. So he, he's what Boris Johnson was in Birmingham. So he's the yeah. elected mayor with, with executive power. So not the Lord Mayor sure. opening a hospital. He's the you know executive power. Um, he was the MD of John Lewis. So he's a businessman. He studied politics at school. He went into politics. He used to do paper reviews on my shows, tremendously entertaining, but very, very, and led John Lewis, you know, through the great times. It's not John Lewis's fault, by the way. We've had a pandemic, but they were. <laughs> I mean, I would suggest you, it would be worth it because how much is the NEC losing? Yeah. By not having it. So many redundancies as well. I have no idea. It must be. Yeah. So someone like Andy Street, I mean, I think that's where you have to, yeah. you have to get someone who, you know, it really hits home in their wallet or, or, or purse and, yeah. and go after them like that, yeah. probably. Yeah, I'm sure they actually have as well. Listen, um, we're just concluding. What event have you missed most that you would like to go back to? Oh, what a good one. What, that I physically go to? Yeah, or so something that you haven't managed to do in the last year. So I don't know whether you're into a specific musician or you like to go to a car show. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, um, I had best seats in the house booked for baseball when they were coming through uh, last oh, okay. summer <laughs> for my, uh, my sons and yeah. my partner and his son. So that went... Um, I suppose I don't miss any of the radio awards. I absolutely, can, <laughs> I absolutely can assure you. I okay. Two things. Two yeah. things. This is one. One is a bit uh, geekish. Yeah, it, it it is actually useful to go to the party conferences. I know many of your people who are watching now. They're reaching for the off button. <laughs> you do get. A, I mean, I will yeah. never forget going to the Conservative conference after uh, uh, they'd won their last, once the Cameron had won the election. You could taste the elation in the room. It was a great place to be. Equally, you went to Labour conferences under Jeremy Corbyn and it was flat. There was a hard core who were elated, but they just couldn't break through to other people. So they are good professionally. 
personally, I suppose you know, it is something like, I mean, I'm sure everybody would say this, but the Daily Mirror Pride of Britain is, is an extraordinary, okay, yeah. extraordinary event, which, and look, they work their socks off and I did watch a bit of it and it looked great, but I don't need to tell you, it's not the same. We are meant to be social animals. Face to face, right? Play. Same with our shows that we put on. We all miss that interactive and the serendipitous moment of actually just bumping into somebody. Yeah, of course. That we have well, a lot of business is done, presumably, I would imagine, That's in the it. bar afterwards and yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what have you learned most about yourself during this period, Nick? That's a very good question. That hopefully, hopefully... Uh, I got a little bit of my parents' genes in that my dad was a first-generation immigrant whose first name, you mentioned my name, his first name was Lino, which is an Italian name. He went to work for the Daily Mirror, and the the, the guy who runs the reporter says, what's your name? So my dad said, it's Lino. I've never heard of Lino. There's a Dan Lino. We're going to call you Dan. So being this, okay, I don't mind. As long as you give me work, I don't. you can call me Dan. So, so that sort of resilience to go in. And, and then my mum was from the north, true northern Brit. She made 93. She lost my two brothers, her two sons at quite early ages. She never gave in. So maybe just a bit of that, just a bit of that has rubbed off on me, for which yeah. I need to be very grateful. Fantastic. Just a final thought for the, the event sector and exhibition sector. I miss you. I miss you. We need you back. Yeah. You are... Your, what you and your colleagues will do when this country comes back, of course we're going to need people yes. as we've had to drive the buses and to work into the factories. Yes. And to, but you are the cherry on the top of the cake. You are what makes it worth slogging your guts out on a cold Tuesday in November because you think your industry might get recognition at an award six months later. You are the fact that you go and you why the hell do I do that? And you see an award or you come home and you see on your shelf, you see a couple of awards, you think, actually... Maybe I am quite good at this. You have a shocking day at the office and you think, bloody hell, that events night I went to a year ago, I actually won that. That's what you guys provide. It is an absolute, you don't actually give a vaccination, you give a different style of shot in the arm, but it's equally important on a business sense. Thank you so much, Nick. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. um, Definitely like to invite you to some of the industry uh, events when they come back. (laughs) Absolutely. Just make sure plenty of red, I don't need the food, just a good red and we've got a deal. All right. Good luck to all your colleagues. I hope you kick on. I hope you really kick on. Good Thank luck. Thank you. Thank you.